Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. I've added this note to the beginning of my most recent and highest downloaded episodes to let you know of a few changes and hopefully avoid any confusion for you as listeners. You will hear me call the show Life After Business as well as reference various ventures I've been a part of over the years. When I started the show, I originally named it Life After Business because I was on a mission to learn everything I wish I would have known before we sold our family business back in 2014. And after 200 episodes and Tons of information that I've learned. I finally decided to change the name to better reflect me, the content, and the guests. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is business owners and entrepreneurs who were the happiest and most successful, in my mind, didn't focus only on sucking all the cash out of the company, and they knew the business was going to eventually continue on without them at some point in time. They literally knew exactly what they wanted from their business long term and why. They intentionally focused on building a valuable company so they could have the freedom of choices to do what they wanted from the business. So they focused on strategies that would grow value long term and give them the freedom to choose. You can learn more about the name change, my major lessons, and our definition of intentional growth in episode 200. Enjoy the episode that you're listening to right now, and thanks for being a listener. Welcome to Life After Business the podcast that helps you understand how to increase the value of your business, what your company is worth, and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business and take pride in a valuable company that gives you freedom and choices to exit on your terms. Welcome back to the Life After Business Podcast. This is episode 176, and this is the 2019 recap. The purpose of this podcast and why I've been doing this for three and a half years now is because my goal is to bring you all the information you need to grow the value of your business with the end in mind, whatever that might look like for you. And that's why I wanted to do this episode because I want to make it easier for you to understand what it takes to grow the value of your business and understand what the end might look like for you because it takes time to digest, learn, and then articulate what that end result might look like, whether you own your company passively, whether you're an active role, whether you sell part of it. There's so many different things that go involved and the big takeaway is quit solving for annual income and solve for value creation. And then once you understand what the end might look like, whatever, if it's 20 years out or if it's two years out, creating value is going to help you solve all those problems by creating freedom and choices for yourself. So what I did today in this episode was I explained in more detail what the five growth and exit principles are. Then I described the top episodes from interviews with entrepreneurs that told their story on how they grew and sold. Then advisors that have talked about very technical things and I layered them in each of the principles. So what I do is I start out talking about different entrepreneurs and their stories and why I liked those episodes particularly and then I discuss each principle. So I give an overview of the principle and then I explain why the top interviews in that principle are relevant. So for example, if an entrepreneur told a story about how they figured out what they wanted after the fact or they didn't know what they wanted until after they sold. That goes into principle one, which is your drivers. Or if someone talks about business valuations and financial targets, that would go in principle two. We have ESOP conversations, which goes into principle three, which is exit options, and then a bunch on value building. And so I explain each of the principles and then layer in the podcast that I think you should go listen to if you did not get a chance to go listen to those this year. And if you enjoyed today's episode, then I highly 
recommend you check out our Growth and Exit Boot Camps. We've done a, quite a few this year and we're doing a bunch in 2020. And it's two days based on two case studies that are 10 million in revenue, a million in EBITDA, two owners, their balance sheets, their businesses, their valuations that we build out. And we walk everybody in the boot camp through the two days, through the five principles as it relates to these two case studies. So even if you have a $200 million company or a $2 million company, all the different concepts apply and you're able to learn through the two case studies what it means to you. So you're not having to share a bunch of confidential information and you're just literally learning the world of mergers and acquisitions and valuations, value driving, value building, exits, the whole works. I mean, it's literally everything that you need to know to be able to walk out that door and take the next steps to put all the puzzle pieces together. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Two days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Two days at Arcona's Boot Camp will give you the clarity to control the rest of your journey as an entrepreneur. So just to recap, the purpose of these principles is to give entrepreneurs the context and how to grow the value of their business with the end in mind. I, I think about the, the analogy I tell a lot in our keynotes is if you think about a puzzle, the point of a puzzle is you look at the picture first. Most of the time, I mean, I bet you asked at least a few dozen times for all the audiences in my keynotes is, what do you do with the first thing? With What's the first thing you do with the puzzle? And most people say, dump out the pieces. And I say, that's fine, but what is the picture? Is it an elephant or is it a church? And we need to understand what is it that we're solving for. So the five growth and exit principles give us the context because I truly believe at the bottom of my heart that entrepreneurs are most of the time visionaries. And if they can see the picture, they can solve the problem. So the purpose of the principles is to build, to look at the picture, get clarity in that picture, build the border, and then be able to solve for the different pieces on inside of that puzzle. So the first one principle is what are your drivers? The second principle is your financial targets, and there's three of them that we'll be talking about. The third principle is, is your exit options, and there's a bunch of them. And then the fourth principle is ways to increase the value of your business with the end in mind. And then the fifth one is what are your team of advisors that are the best in their field that can help you optimize the picture that you've put together? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give an overview of some of the top podcasts within each of these principles and with a brief overview of that principle before I explain why that podcast was uh, was relevant to that principle. But just uh, to kick it off before we get into each of the five principles is uh, there's a handful of owners that I interviewed over the last you know, 52 weeks that I had amazing stories. So if you want more of these uh, links, all these links are going to be in the show notes. We've got them numbered by episode. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of list these. There's a handful of these that are just absolutely uh, I, one of the the favorite episodes that I've done. The, the first one uh, is Stephanie Breedlove. Well, I interviewed her, it's episode 129, and she grew her company up to $9 million in revenue with 4.5 in EBITDA and had a $55 million exit. So Stephanie shares all about her book, how she grew her business using contracts and recurring revenue and a very small 
infrastructure into a machine that they sold to care.com and then how she did that. She's an amazing uh, woman and she gives a lot of the transparency and how it actually went down from the numbers and everything. So if they want to really hear that some of the guts of how someone did this, she did an amazing job. And then Jill Nelson on episode 137, uh, the title is called Why Culture Matters, One BHAG and a $38 million private equity recap. She is a a living story about how growing a culture, she has 600 women, it's not, I don't think it's all women, but it's a majority of women that work for her in Ruby Receptionists, and the amazing culture that she's created, and that, that she was able to do a private equity recap and essentially be left alone to continue running her business. She's been running it for close to four or five years at this point, and it shows you that if you interview the right private equity firms, you can take chips off the table and continue doing what you want to do. And then uh, another one that I think is absolutely fantastic is the it's, it's episode 152, scaling from zero to $170 million with a 40-hour work year. And that's year, not week. And that's with Scott Fritz. And he discuss, discusses his business model, how he was able to take the uh, his business by and, and scale it by hiring the second in command. And there's a lot to be said about the biggest bottleneck that a lot of entrepreneurs has is how do you find that person that's just like you to the 80% uh, mark? And he explains how he did that and then how he systematized his business to be able to scale it up to $170 million and then sell it. So there's a couple other links in the show notes if you want to get into some of the other owner stories, but there's an amazing amount of stories that uh, entrepreneurs have shared that it's a journey growing and exiting and getting what you want. And they're they're unbelievably generous sharing that with uh, everybody on the show. So the first principle, as we explain the principle, and then we're going to give some of the top podcasts that reflect that principle is the, what are your drivers? And that's for you specifically, not the why as Simon Sinek puts it for your business, but what are your personal drivers that why did you mortgage your house or why did you risk everything to become an entrepreneur? And what does what does success look like? Is that having freedom of your time and your who you want to spend that with? Is it freedom to solve the problems that you want to? And knowing and articulating this is important as you think about the end in mind. And again, this doesn't mean that you're exiting your business. This means that you're engineering the life intentionally the way that you want to. Bo Burlingham wrote a book called Finish Big that I talk about a lot, which he said that 75% of entrepreneurs are unhappy 12 months after the sale of their company. And the reason is, he found out that the business owners that were unhappy didn't know who they were, what they wanted from their business and why. And I get it all the time is that I don't want to exit. But the reality is, you don't have to exit your business because you can continue running your business but take chips off the table. So as we look at the the five principles, one of the first misnomers we need to debunk is exiting is not about completely walking away. There is, there's exiting your roles and your management responsibilities and your W-2 pay versus ownership. So you can still own your business and be passively passively owning the business and not being in the day-to-day, or you could sell the ownership and continue running the business. So understanding what you want as it relates to those two facets is the one of the, one of the core uh, parts of the foundation to understanding how you build on top of that. And you need to understand how the business fits into your life. How much time do you want to spend in the business each day? How does your sense of purpose integrate with the business? What's your legacy and how does the business fit into your legacy? 
What are the different things in your social life? Is it all your family and friends? And is it your passion? Because that'll under, that'll help you understand how do you decouple your either management responsibilities and or your ownership. Because you can literally run the business until the day you die, but you can transition the ownership at the same time through ESOPs or family transitions, etc. So we need to understand as owners, what do you want and why? So the, some of the top podcasts this year that that really share some owners that really figured it out or didn't figure it out, and they're able to show you what it's like if you don't do that intentional and reflective work, or if you do, how much more successful you can be. One of the best ones I did, obviously, is with Gino Wickman, and that's episode 174, and it's called The Entrepreneur Leap, based on his new book, and he describes what entrepreneur, soon-to-be entrepreneur, entrepreneurs should do before they actually take the leap and start a business. And so it's unbelievably important that everybody that's about to start a business goes and reads that. But if you own a company, reading that is so humbling because it's most of the time you read it and go, I didn't do that much intentional work. I, I succeeded to some degree, but I wish I would have articulated what kind of business I wanted to be in, products or services, how big I want it to be based on the headaches that I'm going to get. So really articulating that even if you own your company will help you reassess what do you want for the next stage of your company. Another one that I had an absolute blast on was episode 172 with Chris Yonkers, and it's how to create a vision to align your business and your life. So this, we he is an amazing uh, leadership coach and, and a high performer coach for with entrepreneurs and leaders, helping them really truly understand themselves. Because one of the uh, big takeaway stories that he said in the book was, or in the, the podcast was, there was an entrepreneur that was growing and had worked himself out, but then he started meddling and creating fires. And he realized after working with Chris that he was creating fires because he figured out that in his self-talk, creating fires and a struggle was the only, struggling was the only way to truly be successful, which he debunked and then was able to scale his business. I think it was close to twice the size by reassessing how he interacted with his company. Another one of my favorite ones was with Sonny Vanderbeck, episode 170, and it's how one week killed the perfect billion-dollar deal. Sonny now owns a uh, multi-billion-dollar private equity firm that's based in conscious capitalism. But what, why he did that and why he started doing that is because he sold his company. He had it almost sold to Compaq, which would have been the perfect buyer, but then HP bought him at the last second. The whole deal disappeared, and he found out what it was like selling to someone that did not believe what he believed and his company vision was completely different than the person that bought him. And so we talk about reverse due diligence on that on buyers, how you can literally ask them what their plan is for the business, what the org chart is. So it's an amazing episode if you really want to start taking control over the questions you should be asking yourself. And then another one uh, that I really enjoyed was episode 157, Chasing Perfection, Shatter the Illusion, and Minimize, self, minimize Self-Doubt and Maximize Success with Sue Hawks. And it's, a, again, another episode about us talking about as entrepreneurs, we fake it till we make it. Then we have built ourselves this prison where we can't talk to anybody else about we might be burnt out. We might want something different. We want a new relationship with our business. Yet we've built so many systems and people and suppliers and vendors that rely on us that we can't reach out to anybody. So we talk about the importance of trusted people in your network, peer groups, and how they can help you understand 
what you want with your business and how to start moving yourself towards that new evolution of yourself. And again, the purpose of principle one is to articulate to yourself what you want and why and what you want as it relates to your business because we need to start there before we start doing anything else. And then you can start engineering that point B. I talk about point B being in Google Maps. If you don't plug in point B, nothing happens. It's one of the most powerful tools, but if you don't know where you're going and why, how do you figure out where to stop, what tools to bring, what transportation method to use? You need to understand what your point B is and reflecting and really building a plan is the first, the first start of that. And listening to some of these episodes will be a great first start. So that moves us on to principle number two, which are your financial targets. So, and these principles go into sequential order because they build on top of each other. And principle number two, financial targets has three of them. What is the value of your business today, net of taxes and debt repayment? We need to understand that as a business owner before we start growing the value of the business in with the end in mind. So if we have a business that's worth 10 million or that's 10 million in revenue and 1.5 in EBITDA, it might be worth $6 million gross, but then we have to pay down debt, debt and taxes. So we need to understand what the value of that company is today uh, net so that we can start focusing on a target valuation that we want to hit our other two financial targets, which is our target ideal annual income. So that way we know what if we, if we sell the business, we can still continue our annual income without having to make sacrifices. And then we need to understand the principal number, uh, uh, the uh, financial target number three, which is your net worth outside the business because your net worth outside the business will impact the decisions that you have available as it relates to your exit and the valuation and when and how you pull the ripcord. So there's a few podcasts that are fantastic for you to be able to start diving into this. Uh, that The first and best one that I absolutely love is episode 131, Understanding Business Valuations and Value Drivers, How to Double the Value of Your Company with Ken Sanginario. So Ken, this also relates to principle number four of increased value, but Ken and I talk about business valuations. We talk about how they impact your financial targets, and he is the kind of the godfather behind some of the value driver systems that we use. So absolutely fantastic episode to start building your uh, foundational knowledge on valuations as it relates to true real valuations and how company specific risk and the value of your company will impact what you get. Then uh, a couple other great episodes is at 153, how to sell your business for an outrageous price with Kevin Short. So he talks about how strategic buyers will then overpay potentially if you can figure out the underlying reason and the emotional reason or business strategy reason that they wanna buy your business. So Ken and I talk in 131 about intrinsic value and essentially how the value of your business and the future cash flows is predictable because you know, based on the risk of your business, what the value of the company is worth, but then the, your business valuation could also completely be different based on a buyer that has an underlying unknown reason to pay an astronomical amount of price, amount money for your business. And then the third episode that I absolutely loved on financial targets was 158 with Mike Malkowitz, which is learn how to profit first and take control of your business. Over the last five years, as I've dove into tons and tons of business owner balance sheets, personally and with the business, too many entrepreneurs are doing what Mike Carl calls bank balanced 
financing. And so they look in their in their bank account every day or every month and they say, well, we have money, let's spend it. If we don't have money, let's save it and let's cut. So it's this total whiplash based on what's in the bank, what's in the bank instead of forecasting out and saying, here's our budget, here's our forecast from the revenue, here's our forecast for the profits, and then how do we build a plan to go get there? So Mike talks about strategies and how to allocate for profit first, for taxes, and then how to really decouple the business and the business's cash flow from your personal cash flow. So not using the business as a piggy bank from the distributions in your salary, but also understanding how to reinvest in the business and have, have the business self-finance its growth and how to be able to live within your means on your income and then be able to understand how those fit together. So the, the key takeaway on the financial targets is that there are three of them to measure and monitor, and that's the value of your company, your target annual income, and then also your outside net worth and how that impacts the overall strategy that you're trying to hit. Because if you aren't measuring and monitoring your valuation and your net proceeds, you're measuring potentially the wrong thing. Too many times everybody I talk to is talking about their top line revenue, but they forget to tell you that they've got four partners, they're loaded with debt, and they'd walk away with nothing. So we, it's time to start focusing on the right financial targets so that way you can then measure and monitor those, those going forward regardless of whether you want to sell so that way you can be focusing on value building strategies. So that takes us to principle number three, which are exit options. So most entrepreneurs think that there's either sell, uh, you know, hire a broker, an investment banker, take it to market and sell it, or do some sort of internal transition. The reality is those are both available, but there's a ton of different combinations on how to do this depending on your timing, how much money you need up front versus over time, and then what your role is that you want. So again, if we're decoupling ownership from management roles and responsibilities, then we can make a plan for both of those and then align them correctly. So there's five different big buckets that we adhere to in the growth and exit boot camp and we dive t- like we have so much information on this but you know we need to generalize these because then we can back into the different types of them the first one are your internal exit options so managers family members partners and those are all going to be usually financial sales and then there's the second bucket which is acquisition entrepreneurs so that's a wealthy individual or a search fund that's trying to go buy a job and then grow their wealth and they usually have either bank backing and financing or some wealthy individual that's uh, financing them and they're going to go in there and it's going to be their vision to t- take and grow and uh, and run with that business and the new vision the third bucket of exit options is esops which is your employee stock ownership plan and that's selling your company to your employees using leverage and bank financing and it turns into a retirement program so you can literally keep running your company without having to uh have all the financial risks so you're actually d it's an ownership transition instead of an actual management transition so you can de-risk yourself and then continue running your company and then the fourth bucket is private equity. So there's traditional and then there's family office private equity, but these are professional business buyers that are going to go buy your business, grow it for a profit. Some of them have hold periods, some of them, them do not. And we're going to talk about a couple of podcasts that are going to be great about that. And then the fifth one uh, of the exit options is your strategic buyer. And those are competitors, large corporations, someone up and down your supply chain. And each one of these exit options is going to impact a few things. One, the valuation that is paid. 
Two, the amount of money you get up front. Three, the amount of money you take over time. And then fourth, the most important thing is what roles and responsibilities you have post-closing. Are you walking away completely and it's no longer your business or is it gonna take 10 years because you just transitioned ownership and not management responsibilities? So that's why we need to stack your exit options on top of your financial targets and then also your uh, personal drivers. So we need to understand how each of these exit options impacts what you want and why from culture, legacy, timing, from principle number one in your drivers, and then principle number two, the valuation, how much you get at closing versus over time. So some of the podcast episodes in 2019 that are fantastic about this, uh, that dive into this, is number 140, which is selling a family business, his son's perspective with John Gratuti. And this is a good lesson for anybody in a family business that wants to really hear from the son's perspective about how painfully emotional it was and how they ended up selling the business and they didn't have to if they would have just communicated. So a lot of a lot of life lessons in that episode. One of my favorite episodes um, was with Dave Deal, episode 164, what is an ESOP? A deep dive on how employee stock ownership plans work. If you are interested in ESOPs, if you have heard horror stories and you want them to be debunked, you got to listen to this episode. I mean, the amount of information that Dave explains in this, and we take it from start to finish, when and how owners get their money, you know, different ways that they're structured. I think ESOPs are one of the most amazing mechanisms to get your money out of the business. Pay, get paid fair market value and continue running your company and manage your legacy. So if you've built a valuable business, this is it's just amazing and it takes a lot of time to learn how that works. So I suggest listening to that episode to start your journey on learning how ESOPs work. And by the way, we spent about an hour and a half in our two-day growth and exit boot camp, like mapping this whole out, whiteboarding it, explaining how the money flows, how the whole structure works. So check out our boot camp too because that's uh, even deeper dive into ESOPs. Another one is uh, 156 with Jack Stack, who wrote the book, uh, The Great Game of Business. And wow, Jack is like my hero. He wrote a couple of books. He, uh, he actually wrote the book with Bo Burlingham. And he was like one of the four founders. He's the grandfather on open book management. And he got all of his employees like really, really focused on the financials. And because they did an ESOP early on, he, back in the eighties with uh, uh, with their business, they bought a he bought a division of um, International Harvester and grew it. He told me that uh, there was a janitor, no, not a janitor, someone on the um, shop floor that there's there literally their net worth in the ESOP is worth one point five million bucks, and they only make fifteen bucks an hour. So through ESOPs and through open book management, the share price of their business went from 60 cents to 600 and some dollars. So Jack talks about how getting everybody on and understanding business is a game, getting every, he calls it banky, everybody's speaking the right language with finances and building your strategic plan, your forecast and your financial plan, and then just measuring and monitoring that can literally have you skyrocket past the competition. Then if you want another episode that is fantastic about the marketplace is 144 and it's called The Messy Marketplace, Selling Your Business in a World of Imperfect Buyers with Brent Bishore. This is an also one of my favorites this week or this uh, year because Brent 
has a business that is called uh, that is called Adventures, and it's a private equity firm. And he started. He calls it. He fell backwards in the PE firm in the, the PE world because he owns his own companies grew his wealth and then started buying businesses. But what he did that's way different than the most of the private equity world is he has like a 27 and a half year hold period where a normal PE firm's fund is only uh, seven to 10 years. So Brent is like, totally taking the long-term view, investing in these businesses, value growth for the long period. So it shows you that it is possible to private uh, to partner with private equity firms that have different business models. His is very similar to Sonny Vanderbeck and that they're focused on legacy, family businesses, preserving jobs, investing in for the long haul. And he explains what he's learned from uh, looking at 10,000 different businesses uh, from their pitch books and their financials. And he's only bought like 10. So like shows you how many companies are not run well out there, but he show, he explains his business model in that episode. And then uh, episode 168 is selling a business to a family office, an insider's perspective with Paul uh, Moffitt. And Paul describes how their, the, the company that he works for is a, uh, is a family office that is run by a billion dollar family here in town in the uh, Twin Cities and how they, again, think the long haul. And they have a slice of their uh, portfolio that's literally investing in privately held companies. So no hold period as well, long-term growth. So he explains the difference between private equity and family offices and how their motives and their structures will impact again, your drivers and your financial targets. So the point of the exit options is learning more and more about these doesn't mean you're exiting. I want to just really get that through everybody's head because this is about learning what the end could be like. And again, if you know principle number one, which is your drivers, and then principle number two, what are your financial targets? You can start understanding when and how you want to transition your role and responsibility and when and how you might want to transition your man or your, your ownership and aligning both of those things exactly to, uh, to the point that you want. You can really get what you want if you think about what are the things that are important to you. So now we're getting into the fun principle. And the reason I call it fun is because most entrepreneurs are visionaries. We want to grow, 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 but let's grow smart. And let's create value, not just top line revenue. And let's not solve for annual income. I want to debunk everybody's thought process. Don't try and suck as much money out of your company as possible with the distributions in your pay and all the perks. Totally necessary to, and totally rewarding to, to do what you need to do and, and to enjoy the business. But if you're sacrificing value creation because you're sucking all the money out of the company, you're going to learn when you go to sell and you're burnt out and your company is worth a fraction of what it could be. So if you're focusing on value creation, just like private equity firms do or professional buyers or just like private, uh, or, or just like uh, real estate investors who buy a building to reinvest in it, use the cash flow to reinvest and you're going to realize millions of dollars on the back end when and how you ever decide to exit. So there's three things that make your company worth more money and that is sustainable, predictable, and transferable cash flow. The more sustainable, predictable, and transferable your cash flow, the less risky your cash flow is and the more the company is worth. If you have a million dollars in cash flow and it's gonna and there's a high probability it's gonna be there at the end of the year and then in three to five years, the more your company's worth. And by the way, the more fun of a business it is to, <laughs> to own. And we need to understand how do we 
determine what to work on to grow value instead of working on projects that are non-value creating. And again, if we, when I did, we're not getting into this podcast, but we do in our bootcamp talking about normalized EBITDA, where if you're investing in your business, that is not impacting the value of the business. It's usually growing it. So it is, but it's growing, it's impacting in a positive way. Most people don't want to invest into ERP systems or hire the right people, but they're impacting the and decreasing the value of their company. And if we if we determine on a million dollars in cash flow how much we want to reinvest in the business, that's called normalized. So if you just a, a quick example on that is if you let's say you do a two hundred fifty thousand dollar ERP implementation, you're not going to have to keep doing that every single year. So you take that out of your your EBITDA, and so therefore it's normalized back to that million dollars, and your company became worth more money because you did that. So you're impacting annual annual profits, but you're growing the value of business. So we need to figure out what are the ways to, and what do we focus on to grow the value of the business? So Ken Sanginari in that one podcast talks about the eight functional areas and the need for balance. So there's planning, leadership, sales, marketing, people, operations, finance, and legal. We're not gonna be diving all into these, but we've got some podcasts that I'm gonna reference that are fantastic as it relates to understanding these. And if you're running an operating system like EOS, or if you're trying to figure out what your strategic plan is, focus on keeping these all in balance. Most of the time entrepreneurs, I mean, we've done a bunch of these assessments in they focus on and they spend money on what they enjoy. So we had astronomically like high uh, productivity in sales and marketing. But when I started, we had no org chart and we didn't have good financials or good forecasting, et cetera. So if we, you, you, to grow effectively and to de-risk your company, you need to have all of these in balance. So you should be working on the stuff that is the lowest. So a couple of uh, podcasts that will help you kind of explore these topics is 131, again, with Ken Sanginario, who is the creator of that system. And he'll explain how those value drivers impact the valuation and de-risk the company. Um, one great one is uh, 160, get your business out of your brain and increase the value of your company with uh, Chris Ronzio. He has built a system called Trainual that is about taking all the stuff that's in your head and then using it to build systems and processes and standard operating procedures in his tool. So that way you can be having succession plans for all your employees. You know, if you're a dev shop or if you're someone that has you know legacy employees on the manufacturing floor and you're worried about the brain drain from the boomers retiring, getting systems like this in place to get that uh, the stuff out of their head and make your company more uh, predictable, sustainable, and transferable, then your company's gonna be worth more. Uh, there's an awesome episode with Dwayne Smith, uh, 159, where it's called Taking Checks Versus Giving Checks. Five key elements to a 15% annual growth. Dwayne and his partners have taken his company from 9 million to 90 million over the last like 10 some years because they had they built their own operating system for kind of like EOS. And then they how they implement their strategic plans is insane. And they have grown at 15% annually year over year by building a teams of high performers and by like repeatedly doing like the right projects over and over and over and over again. So fantastic episode. 
And then 173 is called growing and selling a company from the integrators, which is the second in command, your CEO or president perspective with Jonathan JT Thielen. And Jonathan, or so JT, he explains how they took their company from that was purchased for 2 million to grow it up to 10 million in revenue and in a, a very large EBITDA to grow, to sell it and how he was systematically building out his sales force and building out his systems. And again, it was worth an insane amount of money at the end of that because these people and these systems and these podcasts are talking about how to grow the value of the business, not your annual income. And again, you don't need to sell the business this is just about doing what's right and growing the value of the business just like a, a professional business buyer like a private equity firm would do. So regardless of whether you're going to sell, you might as well focus on the right projects and the right strategies to grow the value of the business that gives you more freedom and options to do whatever you want when and however you choose to decide to exit your ownership. So as you can see, as we've been building up on top of these principles, you can't take one of them out and they and they build on top of each other because now when we get to principle number five, which is your team of advisors, they can optimize your plan. If you haven't figured out your core drivers, what you want, what your financial targets are, the ideal you know primary exit option, even if it's you know five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, and then your projects and value value creation, no one else can really help you because they don't know what you want. So, you know, we were a victim of this situation too, and we'd have all of our advisors. So legal, tax, finance, wealth, banking, insurance, you know, investment bankers, consultants, they didn't know where we were trying to go because we didn't. We were chasing top line revenue or we were chasing the next deal and we didn't articulate this. So then therefore we were dealing with fragmented advice all over the place. And the analogy I give in our keynote and in the boot camp is if if you don't have a blueprint and a budget, how in the heck can all the subcontractors help you build something? If you have a building, you couldn't ask the, the top electrical contractor to engineer the best infrastructure if he, has no, he or she has no idea what the budget is or what the building is. So the four principles ahead of this, build that picture of that puzzle and that blueprint, and now we can hire the right people to optimize this plan. So if we have, and we, we in the just a, a, a note on this is you gotta hire the right people. They've gotta be in the industry, whether it's their whatever their trade is, legal, tax, wealth, etc. Make sure that they've done it and they work with entrepreneurs because it's complex. You have lots of entities, corporate structures, you got buildings, you got people, partners, all this stuff. Get the people that have been there, done that a bunch of times because we left millions of dollars on the table by not hiring the right people. And then the second part is once you hire those people get them to collaborate. If you're the general contractor and you're the one that is guiding the picture, then you can see who's got too big of egos or who doesn't and you can help them collaborate because if I was going to sit here and try and, and solve a problem by myself, I'm only I'm going to run out of ideas. But if you have four or five people from the, you know, the uh, tax strategist, the uh, the legal strategist, your wealth strategist, your real estate or your investment banker or whoever it might be, it's amazing how even their ideas combined together can uh, bring an idea that has never been come to the surface without everybody collaborating. So a couple of podcasts that will get that point across is episode 175 with Todd Ganos, how to save millions, how to save yourself millions in your exit by hiring the right team of advisors. 
Todd's the one that showed me how I left millions on, on the table um, right after we sold because he was like, well, you could have done this, you could have done that, you could have done this strategy. And I'm just like, okay, thank you very much. So very, very uh, rough and expensive learning lessons. But Todd in this uh, episode explains the importance of hiring the right people, planning out your technical infrastructure years in advance. So that way you're ready for the out of the blue offer. Because even if you were growing, 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 had no intention to sell, but an out of the blue offer happens, there's certain strategies that are just off the table because the IRS would look at them like tax avoidance. So listen to that episode to kind of set the stage and the context on how the different dialogue should be happening between the advisors. And then there's an episode 161, which is the role of an M&A attorney, due diligence, and how to maximize your sale price. Dan Grimsrud, who is an M&A attorney here in town, and I talk about how collaborating with advisors, understanding the different designations and working towards a deal. It, like it just, there's so much, so many takeaways in that episode. Cause Dan was saying like, if you don't, if the owner hasn't done the first four principles, his goal is to get the deal done, but he doesn't necessarily know if, if they haven't done their homework of whether they're going to be financially free at the end or whether the terms and conditions are exactly aligned with their drivers, the goal is to get the deal done. So the more he has other people next to him that are collaborating in light of where the owner wants to go, the better everybody's going to be. So wonderful episode and you know it's not just on legal he, ex he explains different designations and how everybody should be working together and then the uh, the uh, other episode is 153 again with uh kevin short on how to sell your business for an outrageous price just explaining how having the right people that have been there done that will literally pay for themselves so the takeaway with the team of advisors is yes there will be investments needed on the right people but we all know what hiring the rock stars looks like. It's expensive, but they pay for themselves. So understanding that if they get it, they want it, they got the capacity as it relates to their is to your advisors. And if you've had people that you've outgrown, deal with it. Yes, it's uncomfortable to deal with your attorney that you did your articles of incorporation that doesn't do M&A or your tax or your CPA strategist that's just filing your returns and has never done a deal before. It is worth it if you figure out, start interviewing, start meeting with people because you can't sacrifice a C team when you're going to the Super Bowl for when and how you decide to exit. And again, this is years and years in advance because you could be saving money well before you even decide to sell. So the main takeaway out of this episode Recap of the 2019 of the top episodes. All of these shows, uh, these shows, and these links will be in the show notes of this episode. So you can go on there. You can go go and explore any of the episodes that were the the, the most intriguing to you. I also did a video, so the videos on the podcast uh, website as well. So I, I was going through the PowerPoint as we were going through this, and then the purpose is that value growth and value creation brings you options and freedom. For 2020, choose to not be the owner that gets burnt out or something happens and then you start having these phone calls and you realize you are literally way away from your from your ideal goal. You're gonna have to sell to a third party, gut your company or do something you don't wanna do. I see it too often. I have phone calls every single week of, I wanna sell and it's too late. Or in the opposite is, I don't wanna sell so they don't think about it. Choose to be the person that's in the middle, that's intentionally growing value, that creates options and freedom for yourself and do the right things because you're going to have a more enjoyable life and a more enjoyable business. And you're literally going to increase your odds and your probability of getting exactly what, what you want. 
If you want more information on all of this, we have growth and exit boot camps that are two days and it's a crash course on the five principles. We have two case studies that are 10 million in revenue, a million in EBITDA, and we walk through how each of these owners and their businesses impacts on the, the their drivers. We go through valuations, their net proceeds calculators, how it relates to their outside income, and then how all the different exit options work. We spend time on private equity firms, ESOPs, family transitions, and then relate those to the case studies about how those different exits impact those case studies, financial targets, and their value driver and their personal drivers. Then we walk through the eight categories of value drivers, and then we dive into strategic planning, financial forecasting, sales and marketing, so we can show you what good looks like. So that way you can make your company more sustainable predictable and transferable. And then we walk through the team of advisors and how to hire the best in class so that way you can get what you want. I hope that was uh, helpful. If you want, again, go to the show notes. There's a bunch of links out there to all the episodes. Check out one of our boot camps. Make it a priority for 2021. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> we're not we're not a year in, in advance yet. So make it a priority for 2020 because I, I swear in my life it'll change your outcome for and how you look at your business and look at the world and we'll give you your money back if you did not enjoy it after the two days because it hasn't happened and we've had tons of people that have walked out and have completely recalibrated what they're marching towards. So with that being said, happy new year and I will talk to you next year. <music>